Hi, this is Tariq, and you're listening to the Monarchist Basketball Show. I'm Aaron. And I'm Mike. And you're listening to the Monarchist Basketball Show. It's always a lot more fun to start a podcast after a win, and that's exactly what we did on Saturday. Welcome to the show, Coach. Thank you, guys. Good to be with you again. All right, Coach. So in a little bit, we're going to have Faze on on the show. This is kind of appropriate. It happens to be his birthday, so that's pretty cool. Anybody who's been paying attention to Monarch basketball can see that Faison is making strides in his development of late. Can you chat with us for a couple minutes on how things are coming along for Faison and what his role on the team is kind of at the moment? Uh, sure. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about the progress that, that he's making. I mean, he's working hard. Uh, you know, we can see him improving right in front of our eyes, you know, from a uh, day-to-day, game-to-game. Um, you know, he's a, a young, young man. And, and when I say, you know, he, he's, he's turning 21 today. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, he, he's, he's kind of a fun-loving guy. Uh, but, you know, he's learning how hard you've got to work at this level uh, in order to succeed and, and, and in order to, to really improve. He certainly has been on an upward trajectory for the last month or so. And uh, as I said, you know, he's he's making big contributions and we really see him making strides, whether it's defensively, uh, making some big free throws. His his offensive putback the other day uh, against Georgia Southern uh, down the stretch was 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 huge in us getting a chance to win. If you remember, there were uh, there was a game or two where he took a couple charges uh, in, in the last few minutes. So I'm, I'm really excited about Faison. And, you know, I, I, I think. The fact that, you know, he was still in summer school finishing up and we didn't get him until the start of the, the fall semester early on. You know, he, he just had more to learn. Had he been with us, uh, you know, all through the summer, the way, you know, some of the other new guys were, uh, you know, I, I think he would be even further along than he is right now. Well, I can't wait to talk with him and get to learn more about him later today. All right. So before we get to the games, all of Monarch Nation is concerned about what happened with the email on Saturday for obvious reasons. It was great to see the, the videos today from Mark Davis and the messages from Old Dominion and Emo. But can you give us an update on where Emo is and how he's doing? Yeah, uh, number one, Emo is in great spirits. He woke up. Uh, we got back late, so I, I didn't try to reach him until later in, in the day on Sunday, but he woke up feeling well, slept really well, still had a little bit of a sore throat and some congestion, but he felt really, really positive. Um, uh, obviously it was a scary moment for all of us, but it was an especially scary moment for, for emo yesterday, Monday, he had, um, uh, a bunch of tests, uh, EKG echo, you know, all, all the, you know, all, all the tests with, uh, with, with the cardiologist, and um, he's got some, some other tests coming up. Uh, essentially, we're going to be waiting uh, two weeks. They, they want to monitor him uh, and, and, and make sure that nothing pops up. Uh, and then after two weeks, I think there's one final test that they'll do, and then, and then he would be cleared. But as I told Emo, because Emo, <laughs> Emo let me know on, on Sunday, you know, Coach, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, I'm a competitor. I want to play. And I, I understand it. I appreciate it. But as I told him, this isn't a sprained ankle. This is not a sprained knee. This is something that 
hopefully it, it, it amounts to, you know, nothing and just a scare and you're, you're fine, but we're not messing around with this. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not out of the loop, but you know, I'm, I'm a basketball coach. I'm not a medical professional. So, uh, I will take my cues from the doctors, the trainers, the cardiologists, the pulmonologists, all of the experts. And when they say it's, it's that emo's ready to go, that's, that, that's when, uh, he'll get back out there. But, you know, for, for now it's, it's good to have him. He's in great spirits. As I said, it's good to have him out there. He can do some things in practice. He just cannot go live. He can do some shooting drills and, and some other things, but we'll keep a very close eye on him. Uh, and, and hopefully in two weeks, he'll be ready to go. So coach, obviously that changes some things for you and, and it changed some things already. So you guys have already had to make some adjustments there, but going forward for the next two weeks, at least, you know, you and the coaching staff, what should fans expect to see? Well, you know, with obviously, um, and I know we were going to talk about it a little later, obviously with the uh, NCAA's decision about Trey Brown turning down his, uh, his appeal um, that, you know, the, Emo and Trey were, were supposed to be coming into the season, our two point guards. Um, you know, we've, we've uh, been able to get Chauncey a bunch of time over there. And, and I think he's learned a lot. And so now he becomes the guy there. Uh, the, the, the backup for him, the first backup for him will be Tyreek. Uh, we were forced uh, a, a week ago. So before we went down on our, the latest road trip, uh, you know, Emo wasn't feeling well. So he sat out of practice. And before, and we got Tyreek some, uh, you know, some repetitions at that point. He played point for the seven games that he was at Northeastern last year. He and I had a long talk back in the, the summer, um, and he kind of indicated he, he'd play wherever we wanted him to play, but he preferred not to play the point. Well, right now, he doesn't really have a choice. And those guys are going to have to play a lot of minutes, Chauncey and, and, uh, and, and Tyreek. Uh, and I don't foresee Tyreek playing a ton of minutes at the point, but, you know, he's going to have to fill in if Chauncey's tired or gets in foul trouble or whatever might, might arise. So that, that really will be the change. Um, and then if, you know, if let's say for instance, Chauncey's tired and Tyreek, you know, picks up a, a foul or something and we want to buy a few minutes, PJ Gill, who, who you've had on the show, he's a, a walk on, he works really, really hard. And, you know, it, it, it might be his, his opportunity to, to get in there and, and play some meaningful minutes, help us steal some minutes. We'll just have to see, but it will be, you know, by committee and uh, we'll all do our best to try to figure things out. All right, coach. So you, you jumped the gun on me with Trey Brown there. So <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Uh, what, That's a great segue the, to you, Mike. What was the answer? Did the NCAA give you a justification and what are the plans moving forward for Trey? Um, they just said the situation didn't arise to the level that would merit an approval of, of, of his waiver, his appeal. Um, And it's, it it really is a shame. Um, First off, uh, you know, Drexel forced him out. There's no question. They wanted the scholarship and they were strongly encouraging him to leave. Um, When Trey checked with the academic advisors at Drexel, they told him that, that he would be fine. And ultimately, he wasn't fine. And then we don't get notice uh, until August, I believe it was, um, of, of this happening when they knew and should have informed us in June, which really kind of hamstrung us. At that point, would we have moved on from Trey? 
I don't, I don't know who else would have been out there. The other thing would have been if we don't use the scholarship, then we've got it mid-year. So the, the, the whole thing, uh, you know, is, is, is a little bit off, off-putting from, from my perspective. I do not think it was handled well from Drexel. Um, I don't know that I would say it's their fault, but it could have been handled better. And ultimately, um, ODU, but, but Trey Brown, uh, a young man, all he wanted to do was play, get an opportunity to play another, and he, he kind of got bad advice. I feel terrible for Trey that his career has ended uh, in, in, in this fashion, um, but we want to make sure that he can uh, – he, he won't – in this spring semester, he won't actually – get his master's, but he can get closer. Uh, our intentions uh, are to try to, uh, you know, have, have him in a graduate assistant uh, type uh, uh, situation where, you know, he can still be part of the, the team. I, you know, last thing I want to do, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a great kid is, is to isolate him and, you know, make him feel like he's a cast off. He's part of the team. He's part of the family. And uh, we want to incorporate him in, in a way he can't practice with us anymore. But that doesn't mean he can't observe practice and, and you know, be around his uh, his teammates and friends. I feel terrible for Trey, but it sounds like you guys are trying to make the best out of the situation. Now let's talk about last week's games. Two games since our last show, one and one record for the week. Um, first up was Troy. Down in Alabama, we lose 71 to 78. It was back and forth throughout most of the first half until about seven minutes to go, and we go ice cold. We don't hit another free field goal in, in the half. We don't score again until about 18 minutes to go in the second. But we do well enough to line to keep it a six-point game. Troy comes out of the half in charge and pushes the lead to 13. But the common theme of the season reemerges. The guys start to put together, and they go on a run to make it a two-point game with about four to go. Uh, another really strong, resilient game from them. They just couldn't hit enough shots. Tyreek leads the way with 31, and Ben adds 14. What do you want to share about this one? Again, it's it's a, a, a game of um, spurts. In the first half at times, I don't know that we, I'd say we played extremely well, but we kind of hung in there. But that, that one stretch, you know, we had – they beat us to lose balls. And, again – being opportunistic and finding ways to, you know, just, just hang around sometime. And then if you can hang around, then maybe you get one of those spurts and you can stretch out a little bit of a lead. Uh, essentially that's what happened at Georgia Southern. Um, we never really got a handle on the game defensively. Uh, Troy in that game, at least was probably the uh, most balanced talented offensive team that we faced and that kind of caused us along with a couple other things to to play more zone um our, our zone was was helpful at, at, at times that was the most up to the, to that point that was the most that we played uh, zone this year I think um but we knew that at some point we'd, we'd, we'd have to uh, we'd have to be able to stop them and, and be able to play some some man-to-man Tyreek was terrific Chauncey didn't have his best game. Uh, he struggled with the way they were they were defending him, but it was just we 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 just weren't quite good enough. We were close, but but no cigar. Uh, we did get to the free throw line a ton, and that's something that we've been very good at this year. And getting to the free throw line and converting those free throws 
particularly in the first half, was, was really the only way that we hung in the game. We talked about going from Troy to, to, to uh, Georgia Southern, um, that we had to do a better job on the 50-50 balls. And again, I'm, I'm sure everybody gets tired of hearing me talk about, you know, toughness and toughness comes through in all kinds. For me, it's kind of a big umbrella, a big tent. And there's a lot of things that fall under the term toughness. They were really getting into us hard on entry passes, dribble handoffs. And at times we didn't do a good job of, of getting ourselves open and getting into to offense. And you can't play back on your heels. So we talked about being aggressive against Georgia, Georgia Southern. And the toughness for us, for our team this year, or lack thereof, is shown more often at our offensive end than at the defensive end. And people have, some, have noticed, and, and they play us a certain way. Georgia Southern didn't play us that same way. Um, and it's not a surprise, given how Georgia Southern played us, that Ben Stanley had his uh, best game in well over a month. He'd really been struggling and wasn't uh, wasn't recognizing, wasn't handling the helping defense when he caught the ball in the lane at all. Uh, he was forcing shots. He was rushing. He was off balance. Um, against Georgia Southern, they weren't dr- doubling down initially. Ben was terrific. Uh, you know, he, he scored the ball in, you know, in and around the basket. He banged a couple threes. I think he made a few free throws. And, and it, that was really good to see. But hopefully he understands that, you know, he's got those opportunities when people aren't, you know, really helping down hard. If they're going to help down hard, he's got to kick that thing out and we've got to make some shots from the perimeter. And that's where it's kind of like a puzzle, right? And everything goes together. But, but having been uh, step up at, at, at Georgia Southern was, was really, really huge. Well, hopefully that'll open things up for everybody. I mean, not even only at Georgia Southern, but the Troy game, I mean, he was five for eight, two for two for three at 14 points. He had a more solid game than like you, you said that he has been struggling for a little while. So I think we saw him take a step forward in that game. And then in the, the next game, even more so. Yeah. And against Troy, he made some shots, but uh, we went to him early. Uh, one of the things that Georgia Southern will do is they'll switch screens. And so when they switched a smaller player onto him, we, and we talked about it in the scouting report, we can go to him and we recognized it and Ben recognized it and benefited from it. Um, but, but again, it's, it's the recognition of, okay, what, what is the situation? If there's three bodies down there with you, that's not a scoring opportunity and you, you got to give the ball up. Um, but, but as I said, he did a really good job in that Georgia Southern game. He made some shots, did some good things against uh, uh, Troy, but he made some, some tough buckets and, and good decisions. And obviously ended up with 22 points is, you know, that's, that, that, that's big. So uh, for our listeners that missed the game, this was a really, the Georgia Southern game, overtime win, victory on the road, very hard fought victory. The two things that jumped out to me were how Ben kept us afloat in the first half. Cause no one else was really the guys you expect to contribute big, big points. It was just Ben, really. They were making a concerted effort on, on Tyreek uh, after the big game that, that he had. Uh, you know, Chauncey uh, in, in the first half wasn't, you know, w- from an offensive standpoint, 
you know, wasn't able to, to, to really score that much. So it was either free throws from, from a bunch of guys. But again, we recognized early on and we kept feeding Ben. He was the beneficiary of his teammates getting him the ball and how Georgia Southern played. But you're, you're exactly right. We kept going to him and, and he delivered in that first half. And then uh, probably midway through the second half, Tyreek started to get hot. Um, yeah. And he kind of carried us the rest of the way, along with Chauncey and Mackay adding in some points. I know well, Cha- Chauncey a- had a couple really, really important, tough baskets. And, and I can't, you know, we're talking about Ben. In the first half, he hit a huge three from the left corner. Beautiful pass, drive and, and kick by, by Chauncey. You know, smart basketball play. And Ben was there, and we keep talking to Ben about, you know, get get set, get your feet set. That's when he can knock down threes. If he's moving around and, and he hasn't done his work early and gotten ready, he shoots a much lower percentage. But but he did what he's supposed to do and anchored in that corner, and Chauncey delivered the perfect pass, and, and Ben knocked it down, and that was a huge – that was a huge shot. The other thing I want to note was how long you guys were in the zone late in the game. That seemed to be the difference late on the defensive side, at least. Coming into the game, um, we knew that Georgia Southern wasn't one of the better three-point shooting teams. And what, or where they were really good was in ball screen situations or kind of isolations getting to the mid-range. The mid-range, too, is not you know analytically a great shot, but for them, it is. And they've shot a high percentage all year long. Um, and then when Emo went down, that that shortened our rotation. And so that hastened uh, my decision to, to go to the zone. We knew we were going to go to it, but those different factors kind of conspiring, we made a commitment to play it more. And quite honestly, I think going forward, this certainly with Emo being out for the next two weeks, um, I, I think you, people can you know, expect to see more of the zone. Whether we play as much as we did against Georgia Southern, I don't know, but uh, the it keeps people on the perimeter. Hopefully it keeps them out of rhythm. But the thing that I really liked, it allows us to get out and transition. If we rebound, that it, running out of a zone is uh, oftentimes much easier than running out of a, a, a man-to-man. So um, it was good to us in that game. We watched some film. Uh, on it and we wasn't perfect we, we have to shore some things up but that really gave us a, a shot in the arm I think and before Mike goes to Coastal and we talk about that game on Thursday I just wanted to ask with uh, Chauncey and Tyreek both playing the point more now with Emo being out I there's these last two games we talked about free throws a lot of free throws 33 free throws in the Troy game 27 free throws in the Georgia Southern game is that a product of those two guys having the ball in their hand more and being willing to drive um, because it seems to be quite effective getting that many and converting it's shot 75% in the first game and 70% in the second game. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think so. Um, I, I think our offensive rebounding is probably as big a factor as, as anything. Dorico made, made some big ones. Uh, phase on made some big ones. Uh, ben got to the free throw line a few times. Makai got there a bunch. I don't have a stat sheet in front of me, but I, he may have made like seven free throws in, in the Georgia Southern game. He did seven uh, for eleven. Yeah, and 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 we we did in both games a great job of getting to the offensive boards. You know, 
the two things we've done extremely well th- this year. One is getting to the free throw line. The other is getting offensive rebounds. Our offensive rebound uh, percentage, I think, is is among the top 20, 25 in the country. And the getting to the free throw line, uh, you know, percentage or, or number is uh, is also certainly top 50 in, in the country. That's why if you can make those, you know, that's that, that's huge. But you get into the free throw line and missing them uh, the way we, we did on occasion uh, in non-conference play, that can be a little bit frustrating. Frustrating, And uh, we, hopefully we just keep keep up the, the good shooting from the free throw line. All right, Coach, we know you got places to be, so we're going to try to keep these previews for this week kind of brief. First up, back at the TED against Coastal Carolina. This team is 1-3 in, in conference play. They've lost three straight. They're 7-8 overall, but three of those victories are against three opponents. Their best win of the year was in conference at home against Louisiana. What can fans expect from the Chanticleers on Thursday? They are a very talented team. They're scary because of their talent. Antonio Day is a name that ODU fans might remember from a couple seasons ago when he was at FIU. Uh, he's an extremely talented point guard. He's, he left FIU. He went to Fordham, and now he's down at, you know, so he's, he's bounced around, but he's still extremely talented. Uh, Jamaru Brown, uh, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but He's a guy that had been at East Carolina, was a, a big-time scorer at East Carolina, was uh, a guy in the transfer portal that was uh, very uh, heavily coveted by a lot of schools, and he ended up down at, at Coastal. Their big guy, 6'10", 6'11", 250, not an athlete, but is, is a guy that, uh, because of his size, you've got to be concerned. And then uh, a, a guy at the four spot, Jimmy Nichols, Started off at uh, Providence, went to VCU, and now he's at Coastal, and he's he's talented. It's a talented team. It's a dangerous team. Obviously, they they've struggled uh, so far in, in in conference play, but we we can't overlook anybody, and we've got to be ready. Cliff Ellis is a uh, a guy I've known forever. The coach down at Coastal, I think he Cliff has eight hundred something wins, something crazy like that. He's been doing it for a long time. He's been doing it extremely well. So we've got to be prepared and and we've got to, you know, have that, that, that edge to be ready for, uh, for coastal. All right. And on Saturday, we make the trip to Huntington, West Virginia for a matchup with the herd. They're 13 and four overall off to a two and two start in the conference. They beat app and coastal both at home. They lost to Georgia Southern on the road and GMU at home. They score a lot of points, and they have one of the best players in the conference in Tavion Kingsley. We know you're well acquainted with the D'Antoni system now. What can you tell us about the herd? Uh, they've gotten off to a great start. They're playing the same way. They get up and down. They shoot a, a lot of threes. They're not shooting them great, but they're, they're, they're not afraid to take them. They are ranked even higher than we are in terms of offensive rebound percentage. They've got a 6'10 freshman that I'm not even going to try to pronounce his, his last name, uh, but a big kid from North Carolina that's he's playing really well. I mean, he's averaging double-digit uh, rebounds. Uh, he, offensively, he's not their leading scorer, but he, you know, he's a, a threat. Uh, Andrew Taylor, along with Tavion Kinsey, they form a, a really uh, talented uh, 
backcourt, um, and they always have have good crowds. So uh, that'll that'll be a, a a big game and a little bit of contrast in styles. So we put more emphasis from a defensive uh, standpoint, and they're more about shooting the ball and doing some other things. But we've had some great battles, some great uh, great games uh, in Huntington against Marshall. I'm sure this would uh, this week will, will you know just be another of those. All right, Coach. So since you have somewhere to be, we're going to let you go. But before we do, good luck this week. We can't wait to watch. We will be there at the TED on Thursday. For the fans, remember this is a whiteout, so we're white. I appreciate it. Uh, and the game Thursday—that's that's a big one. Uh, as I always say, that that next game—that's the most important game of the year. So, uh, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll we'll play well and come out and really uh, really compete. All right, Coach. Well, we can't wait to watch. All right. See you guys. We'll be there. Go Monarchs. Go Monarchs. Welcome back, Monarch Nation. Today, we're joined by the Memphis, Tennessee, 610 big man, Faison Fields. First and foremost, happy birthday and welcome to the show, Faison. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the birthday wishes. I'm happy to be be on the show. Glad to be here. Hey, thank you for joining us and happy birthday, Faison. How are you and the fellows feeling after Saturday's big, tough win against Georgia Southern and Statesboro? Uh, we're feeling good coming into the next couple games we have. You know, um, it was a tough one, you know, with I'm sure everyone's seen my teammate email what happened with him, but I think that incident just brought all of us closer together as a team and made us really appreciate the moment we were in. So we just, knowing after that happened, we just knew we had to somehow dig deep, fight away, and come out with the win. All right. So after graduating high school, you played one season at Chipola, where your team yeah. went to the NJCAA uh, semifinals, and you were named all-panhandle team. What mm-hmm. led you to ODU? And how did your experience at Chipola shape you as a person and as a player? Uh, actually, my I played two years at Chipola. And my first year, you know, we it was the same results both years. We went to the Final Four, lost in the Final Four in the national uh, title. So basically it's just the coaches here. You know, I love the atmosphere. I love everything about it here, you know. It was a great spot when I came on my visit. My parents loved it. So Coach Jones is a great coach and his background, it was everything was good. So, you know, I just decided to make this, make uh, Norfolk and make ODU my next home. All right. So Lady Monarch Jordan McLaughlin also played at Chipola. Yeah. Did you guys know each other at school? And if so, what's it like to have a friendly face on campus? Oh, yeah. Um, at Chipola, we would, I would go watch their games. She would watch my games. You know, the dorms were small, so we was always hanging out with each other. We would always see each other. She was pretty cool. She was a pretty cool girl. She was a good friend of mine. But, you know, coming here and having someone that I'm familiar with and, you know, I'm just close to, even though there's a bunch of new faces, you know, it just helped me just more, you know, having her around and being able to talk to her if I were to need anything. So, is is pretty good. All right. So throughout this year, it appears with each game, the impact you're having on the floor grows. How do you feel about where your game is right now and where can it go in the future? I feel like 
I have a lot more that I can show and I can, you know, just be able to help the team and whatever they need. And I just want to be the guy that can help everyone. And I still have yet to grow and I have a lot of more things that I need to work on, you know, as my game. But in the future, I can see myself being a very productive guy offensively and defensively and hopefully going into one of the positions that guys tend to lean on me for like guidance and, you know, to just go out there and teach them the ways and all that. So one thing I've noticed this year is the energy you bring on the court after you make a big play. Yeah. Some of those blocks you've had, some of the turnovers, diving on the floor. Yeah. Is that a concerted thing on you or are you just getting hyped for, for the game? Oh, I'm just getting hyped. I'm so deep into the game and I'm just so locked in. So when I make plays like that, my teammates were to make plays like that. I just try to get everyone hyped, get the crowd into it, get my team into it, bring a bunch of energy. You know, I try to get my teammates to play harder, you know, have fun out there the most part. So, yeah, just being a – I try to bring a lot of energy in these games, you know, to get my team more hyped with me. Well, in addition to that energy, you always have a big smile on your face, which our listeners are not going to see, but we certainly can <laughs> see it right now. All right, yeah. so we asked this question – every time we have one of you fellows on the, on the uh, podcast. And Mike told me, depending on how this question goes, we might actually retire it. So let's see how it goes. All right. So at Chipola, I think you wore the number 22. Looking back at some pictures here. But now yeah. as a monarch, yeah. you're wearing the number 25. So is there any significance behind 25? If there is, could you share the story? There's no significance behind 25. Honestly, honestly, it was just like I've talked. I was talking to my dad, and he would tell me like, "You've gotten a new number at every new school you've gone to." Like since my high school, like I would change my number. So from high school to JUCO to here, I've just been changing my numbers to, you know, just that's kind of my own little path I've been doing. You know, kind of changing my number because just a new number, new me. And, you know, yeah, so there's no significance behind it. All right, Mike. Well, that's kind yeah, of new, new yeah. year, new me, right? So yeah, I yeah. say that we've got to we go at least one more week with the question now, Mike. Yeah, <laughs> but at least it fits in with the New Year's resolutions type of thing, right? New year, new me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So, Faison, in a game of one on one, what's your go to move? My go-to move in a game one-on-one, uh, um, I usually kind of jab, jab, and I drive hard, right? My first, in a one-on-one when I'm comfortable, my first quick step is pretty fast, so, and I'm kind of strong, so I just don't see people stopping that, and if they do stop it, I'll probably spin back, finish with my left hand. There's a lot of counters to it, so, Yeah. But other than that, I, I don't really play one-on-one that much. I'm more of a – I could play one-on-one, but I'm more of like a team, team-oriented guy. Like, so, yeah. All right. So, you guys spend a lot of time together, especially on the road. So, you really get to know each other very well. So, tell, tell us a fact yeah. or a hidden talent about one of your teammates that Monarch Nation probably doesn't know. Ah, uh, my guy, you know, uh, PJ, Philip, PJ, 
he can he can sing a little bit. Like he has a he has some vocals to him. I didn't know that until you know we would sing "Happy Birthday" to some of the guys and all that, and he had some vocals to him. Yeah. Well, we got to thank you because you might be the first guy all year that has not said something about emo. So <laughs> we might we might know more about emo than you. Uh, <laughs> I know emo absolutely loves Future, like absolutely loves them. You say beef jerky? Uh, Future. Like the artist. Oh, future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've we've had a quite a few stories about emo. Apparently, he has an extra toe. I did not know that. He uh, snores like a chainsaw. I heard that one. I heard that. And heard that and uh, he falls asleep super fast, so yeah. you can't beat him to sleep. And then once he starts snoring, you're not going to be able to fall asleep. <laughs> That's, that's hilarious. And then uh, he's a ladies' man, apparently. Uh, Certified lover boy, I think is what PJ said. I can't speak too much. <laughs> I can't speak too much on that one. I don't know much about his love life and what he has going on. So. <laughs> All right. So you haven't been here that long, but we've had some pretty fun games yeah. that you guys have played in so far. Do you have a most memorable moment so far as a member of the Monarchs? Um, I would say probably when I took those two charges back to back against Gardner Webb, that was probably my most memorable moment here. It was just, that was, that was an unbelievable moment, you know, great defensive plays and my teammate, Cha I got the rebound, Chauncey came down, made the layup. It was just a good sequence, you know, it was a good place. I mean, what about that block? And then getting the oop on the other end, that was pretty sweet, too. Oh, you see, the thing is about the block is I didn't think I was going to be able to get it. Like, when he when he shot it, I was like, there's no way I'm getting that. And then I just ended up blocking it. I was like, oh, my goodness. I was surprised myself by that. And then, you know, my teammate Emo saw me for the lob, threw it up. I had no choice but to flush it. It was just great. It was a great play. All right, so you've probably played in a lot of gyms. Well, you absolutely have played a lot of gyms. So. Yeah. What's your favorite one that you've ever played in? Oh, as of right now, ODU, of course. I love. I just love the support we get here. You know, great support here. It's just fun to play play in. Every it seems like the fans, everyone's always into the game. You know, so it's just it's fun to be. It's fun to play here. I'm guessing some of the road games have given you a. Bigger appreciation for our fans. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I think at Troy, was it Troy that had, like, no one there? Yeah, Troy had really nobody there. Troy didn't have anyone there. Um, that's really about it. I don't think they'll be the only one you go on the road to this year. Well, that'll be like that. But, all right. We're going to pivot a little bit, and we're going to do some quick hitter questions. Yeah. They're going to be pretty fun. But uh, you haven't been here long, but do you have a favorite restaurant at ODU or in Norfolk yet? Favorite restaurant? Ah, uh, me and my teammate Bryce love Katana, either Katana or America's Best. Those two, those are the go-to whenever we get the chance. All right. I normally ask favorite spot on campus, but I'm going to change it up just a little bit. What's your favorite spot on campus to watch a sporting event? Other than a basketball game, uh, uh, um, I'd say 
This is a, this is a good question. I love all I love all sports. I love watching all types of sports. I would say either soccer or volleyball. Because growing up my sister played volleyball, so I kind of understand it and you know, I used to practice with her sometimes. She would make me practice with her, so yeah, I think I think I'll pick volleyball. Yeah, it's fun to watch. Yeah, Coach Chow's got a pretty pretty awesome spot over there too. Yeah, yeah, it's a good gym. All right, Paison. So what do you what's your favorite thing to do in your free time? Play video games, of course. Specific I play um I have an Xbox. No one no one hate me. I have an Xbox. I play Gears of War, you know, Call of Duty, 2K. I play every single game. One of my, me and my friend from back home, Memphis, we have this little thing going right now where we're um, trying to beat every campaign to every game. So it's, it's been, we've been trying for a long time, but, you know, we have a list that we're going through. And in my free time, I usually hop on with him and, you know, knock a couple missions. I just have fun, enjoy it. Yeah. All right. So Mike and I wanted to sit down and watch a basketball movie. What would be the one basketball movie that you would tell us we need to watch? Coach Card. Coach Card. Man, that's a great movie. A great movie. It just shows how the team, you know, pulls together with each other, how they end up, you know, just working hard together and turning a bad organization to something that's special, you know. Well, we got to thank you for being original there. You're the first one that said Coach Carter. Really? What is what does other people say? So we've got he got game twice. Yeah. And then like Mike twice. Like Mike, that's a good movie too. Yeah. Did we get Space Jam? We might have got Space Jam. I don't remember. Oh, I think Ben Stanley made the Space Jam. Might have been. Can't remember. Faison, favorite band or musical artist? Favorite musical artist, Drake. Drake, for sure. 100 million percent Drake. All right. So, now you told us already that you're not really a one-on-one guy. You're a team ball player. But if you could play one-on-one against any player, past, present, doesn't matter, who would it pick? And are you going to win? Um... I would want to play one-on-one with Kobe. I would, you know, I would want to hear his guidance and just hear the stuff that he has to say. Just, you know, I would want him to tell me things that would help me out in the future and, you know, just give me some guidance and experience that he had. And would I win Uh, a game to 10? I think I'm winning 10-9. Yeah. I have to have confidence myself, yeah. I love the confidence. Yes, absolutely. Mike, I think you've got to ask the question. Okay. So, Faison, <laughs> this is not a basketball-related thing, and we've not, we have not asked anyone on the show this. But yeah. me and Aaron were discussing dangerous animals last week. Yeah. And the topic of hippos came up. Yeah. And they're extremely dangerous animals. They're pretty nasty. They are. If you don't know this, just they Google are. it. Yeah, they should, are. Yeah, they're, they're pretty – pretty gnarly and they're fast um one thing we talked about was how do you when you envision a uh, hippo swimming mm-hmm. what do you think it's doing 
Do you think it's swimming like a dog? Or because they're actually running on the bottom of the water. Really? And then jumping because they're so heavy, they can't actually yeah. swim. So they're running on the bottom of the, the floor of the water. And then they're jumping. It's terrifying. Wait, okay. So what if they're in water that's extremely deep and then they just go under and then jump? I asked the same question, Faison. That's a great question. Yeah, I think that's what they have to do. Um, but the main point of this, to tell you all that, was we want to know what do you think is the world's most dangerous animal? Okay, well, now that you said that, a hippo. <laughs> <laughs> Man, hippos are scary. I saw this video the other day of uh, it was a hippo in the water. I forget where they were, but like it almost caught up to a boat or like a speedboat that was in the water. Yeah, I saw the same one. You might have shared it on social media. Yeah. That's where I saw it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh my goodness gracious. Yeah, they've. Uh, I think they killed. They kill like an average of five hundred people a year, and they will chew up boats. Oh my goodness. So if they catch up to your boat, they're gonna attack it. Yeah, that's that's horrifying. And it's it's to be fair, they're just territorial. So if you've entered into their space where their whole clan is or their group or their family, it makes sense. They're just trying to protect their turf. But yeah, they can do some damage, man. A group of hippos, I would be scared for my life. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Happy, luckily, we're in America where we don't have to run errands and run into that. Yeah, yeah. That's right. All right. Thank you for asking that, Mike. I appreciate that. Wow. I feel like I poisoned him, though, because I t basically told him how dangerous they are and then asked him to say, what's your most dangerous animal? Okay, I'll, I'll answer. I'll answer that. Before, before you told me about hippos, I would say mm, the most dangerous animal would be like a snake, a very venomous snake. Because they, the way they, I hate snakes. I'm terrified of snakes. I'm terrified of snakes. But they move so scandalous and they slither everywhere. And like, they're so silent, you know? Like, you can't tell. You wouldn't know where they are, when they are. Like, if you get, let's say, let's say um, you have a pet snake, a very venomous pet snake, right? And you come home from work. It's out of its like little confinement area, whatever. What are you what are you gonna do? Leave. I'm out. What would you do? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, That's I have a friend who had a, an apartment that's four it was a house that was split into four units. Yeah. So the plumbing was all shared, right? Mm -hmm. Well, one of her neighbors had a snake that would get out and would crawl through the toilet system, like the, the toilet and the plumbing system, and come into her apartment. So like two or three times, she found this huge snake in her apartment. Uh, yeah, it couldn't be me. So yeah, they, they can sneak up on you anywhere. Exactly, that's why I, I think snakes are, yeah, terrifying snakes. So I would suggest if you ever live in a situation like that, and you know your roommate or your neighbor has a snake. Keep your toilet lid down. <laughs> ah, that's so scary. That is so scary. I would definitely keep my toilet lid down.
most. <laughs> keeps hippos out too. All right. What's that? Aaron? It keeps hippos out too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Faison. So, uh, what is your top personal goal for this year, and your t- top team goal, and what will it take for you and the team to get there? My top personal goal is I just want to finish, you know, I kind of want to be a defensive player. I want to win uh, something with defense because I feel like my defense has only been getting better and better, you know, the more energy I bring. And a team goal I would want us to do is I want us to win conference or even the people that picked us last in the conference. And um, I feel like, we're not getting the the respect that we deserve and all and everything. So I just want to prove everybody wrong with me and my team. And what it would take to get us there is nothing, just a bunch of hard work, you know, us staying in the lab, us grinding, us pushing each other to our maximum, our maximum, you know, just things of that nature. That's what I think. Well, Faison, before we go, and we really appreciate you coming on, especially in your birthday, man. Is there anything that yeah, you want to leave? Oh, you're very welcome. Is there anything you want to leave Monarch Nation with? Do you have a website, a business, NIL, anything that you want to share with Monarch Nation that you want them to know about? Uh, there's nothing I would really want anyone to know about, but one thing I would want to say is, you know, just be thankful for everything you have, you know, just appreciate everything you know every moment you have with your loved ones your friends uh, that's really it that's a fantastic message and a great way to close out the show thank you so much for joining us tonight uh, thank you all for having me it was a pleasure being here awesome well thanks again and go monarchs go monarchs go monarchs <laughs>